Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. We're going to talk tonight a little bit to you about angels and healing. And I want to make this clear up front. You know, I'm not boasting in anything. If I didn't have these things happen, then I wouldn't be talking about it probably. But I can teach it, and I've had a great deal of experience with the angels. I've never told all the visions I've had or all the experiences that are unnecessary to tell it all to every meeting. But when I turned 60, the Lord dealt with me about many of the visions that I've had and said, I want you to start talking about it more in your meetings. And I said, really, I'd rather not do that. And he said, well, why not? And I said, because, you know, I've already taken a lot of pressure just for preaching the word. You know that. Now you're going to let me talk in to a group of people about things that are so intimate with me. It's like being married to a woman and being intimate with her. I don't mean to sound ugly in that, but just reality. You wouldn't want to share all that with everybody unless you're crazy or demon-possessed. I'm being serious with you. These moments that I've had with the Lord are holy moments to me. And I felt like almost God was intruding into that for asking me to share it. That's just how I felt about it. You could like it or not like it, I could care less, but that's how I felt. And he said, well, it's either that or else. I said, I'd love to do it. (laughs) Now, listen, God doesn't try to gang up on me. He don't treat me roughly, but what I knew him, because I know who he is and I know him personally. See, that's key to the whole trip right there. You could read your Bible until you got scriptures falling out your mouth and none of it's working because you don't know the author. You don't spend any time with him to get quiet, to hear him talking. I told this last week, he's not a deaf mute. You're just not paying enough attention. But I knew if I didn't do that in that moment when he said, well, I want you to, then I was going to be disobedient to him and I would be opening the door to the devil. I'd be an open target for him. I mean, beyond what I've already been. And I don't need that. I want God's protection. I want God's covering. Maybe this would help some of you right now. If you want God's best, you're going to have to give him your best, whether you feel like you want to do that or not. There may be some things he requires you to do, not like I'm talking about, but because these are kind of rare in my opinion. To have somebody that's had experience with this area in the demonic realm and the angelic. But anyway... I don't want to be disobedient to my heavenly father. So you're getting the benefit of it, even though initially I didn't want to do it. So I'm just talking to you here. So we're going to, now this, I will share some things that are experiences I've had. And many of my sons here have been with me in meetings that they were eyewitnesses of what happened. And maybe several of them at one time, I don't know everything. I just know kind of how I'm going to go down through here. But the, the angel said to me this week, if we want to minister with you Sunday night, and I'd felt that for several months now, that the angels, let me say it to you, I'm talking to you more by a prophet, I don't have all this written down. Uh, there's a move of God on, and it sure don't look like it, <laughs> and it sure don't feel like it sometimes, if you're just a natural person, and all you do is read a little bit, but you never really get close enough to God to know what he's doing. Or you can't discern what he's doing when you watch stuff on TV. I've seen an increase personally, this is my personal opinion, in the praise and worship that's been outstanding as of late. And it's from several different areas and frontiers that's been on TV. Just People just bless my socks off. But I'm talking about the church as a whole. There's a move on. And we're going to have to learn to be compliant with it. And because you have a move of God starting... I've been in revival. You know, I've been in the three and a half year revival we had back here in 95, 96, 97, part of 98. But I've been in and out of revival several times since then. Yeah. Just me. Right. Just walking with him and just getting over there in the spirit with him. You listening? Yes. But there's a move on for the whole earth if we'll get adjusted to it. But what I'm going to say that for, whenever you have a move of God, you have a great influx of angelic help. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when other things are happening, you've got a big influx of demonic spirits, which 
I saw coming to our country and the world in, 19, in the 90s. I don't remember the exact year. But anyway, all right. Father, we just pray that you would anoint me to speak tonight. Uh, make my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. Let their hearts be tender and sensitive to what we're going to say. And realize that you love them so much. Not only have you redeemed us personally and healed us and delivered us and provided for us in a supernatural way, but you have sent your ministering spirits, the angels, to preserve and protect us and provide for us in a very glorious way. If we just get a hold of that. And we thank you for it. May everybody get something tonight that we're talking about. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. <laughs> All right. Let's look here at Hebrews 1. Uh, verse 13 and 14 to start, and then we're going to move around a little bit, and we may hold our place here and go somewhere and come back. I'm not sure, but verse 13, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool? He didn't say that to the angels. He said that to Jesus. And then he goes back into verse 14. Are they, they referring to the angels he mentions in verse 13. Are you following me so far? Are they, not all, and you may make a little underline around that or a circle, all, are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. And I would say it this way because that was written roughly 2,000 years ago plus. Uh, it says that are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation. Let me say it to you this way, maybe make you understand it better. If he would do that for me when I was trying to be saved, how much more would he do it for me as a son and a daughter? You find what I see what I'm saying? Okay. Now, let's, let me tell you something here. The Weymouth translation of this verse 14 says that the angels are a benefit. You know, a benefit to us, which a benefit means a useful aid and a help. So I want you to hold your finger here, put something here. We may come back to Hebrews 1 and go back to Psalm. Let me find it. Psalm 103 with me, if you would. It would help us. And we're, I'm going to show you real quickly how the angels and uh, healing go together. I think that'd be all right. <laughs> I'm trying to get this introduced. You know, this is, we're talking tonight about supernatural healing. It's not spooky natural. And I am not a woo-woo person. You know what a woo-woo person is? They're just so, they're so dramatic. Some of the preachers, they're just so dramatic. And that's, that's fine if that's in your personality, but it's not if you're putting on. And it's not always, and people ask me this all the time, I'm just reading some notes that I took and thought you'd like to know about. Not always what you, what did something look like, because that's the typical question people ask me, and you've asked me the wrong question for 40 years, so I want to help you out, and there's a right question for this. It's not what they look like, what did they say to you? See, that separates the carnal people from the spiritual people. What if I told you what they look like, and you thought, well, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. There's a lot of things you haven't heard that's weird. That don't make it wrong just because it don't fit with your theology. All right. I'm not a woo person. Woo! You know, I'm doing my best to be a word person. I don't interpret dreams and weird imaginations in some people's head. Some people told me some pretty weird stuff. And I said, I'd just forget. I'd shred that if I was you. <laughs> not your brain, but shred what you're thinking. Because here's a simple thing. I, and I've learned that God is not complicated. People are the complicated ones. God is simple. If it doesn't make sense, leave it alone. If God isn't smart enough to help you understand what he showed you or talk to you about it, you don't got no business prying into it. God has never made it complicated for me. I've never been a genius at anything. And that's just the way that I am. We're going to read from Psalm 103 in just a minute, but I want to read you something here. Brother Hagin said in a prophecy, and then I'll read you a scripture on Hebrews from a Alternate translation, and we'll go, where's the Psalm 103, and you're in park, right? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, Brother Hagen, he is, this is a prophecy he gave. It's, on, it's typed out here that he gave in 1988. How much more would it be true today? He had a vision. Three different angels came to him. 
The first one was coming uh, in the political arena, a change, the first angel said. Uh, the second angel said there's a change coming in the financial arena. And I just, I'm just adding my two cents to that. There's something happening right now in the finances in the body of Christ. Amen. If you catch a hold to it and go with it, I mean, the sky's the limit. Really, the sky's not the limit. There's no limit on it. But you've got you to be intelligent and tithe and give offerings to do what God told you to do. And the third angel said there's a change coming in the spiritual realm. And then he, he said to Brother Hagin, in this realm in which you minister. Now, Brother Hagin was a prophet, primarily a prophet. He got in trouble with God trying to be a teacher first. <laughs> so I have to guard myself to stay over in that prophetic realm a little differently than I once did. More, it was just being a teacher, 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 teacher. And I could teach, but that wasn't my highest calling. And I almost got in trouble for that too, like Brother Hagin. So I said, I'm going to pay attention to that. But this is what he said. He said, um, there's an army arising, men and women, equipped with the power of the Holy Ghost. They'll learn to walk in the Spirit. They'll learn to join forces with the forces of heaven. And the angels will come. This is what I wanted you to see. And minister unto them. And the angels will come and minister with them. Now, both of those situations are true in my life. They minister to, to me. And they have ministered to, especially when I was a little crippled boy, five years old with, you know, Forrest Gump braces. He came and appeared to me, didn't say anything, but six months later, he took the braces off. And the doctor said to my mother, you got a miracle, Joyce, I don't understand it. And he took the braces off, said he don't need these. Hallelujah. And, but here's another part of this, they come and minister with us. Hallelujah. We were in, um, hmm, what was that at? Manzanillo. Brother Sean, you were with me. and I, Jenny, were you on that trip too or no? The youth were on. How many here was on that trip with me in Manzanillo? There all these hands going up. And I ministered at Pastor Maria Rancoon's church and I ministered on, of all things, angels. Because that's the normal thing I go to the first time I go to a church I've never been to before because just knowing how I know people, that church has never heard anything intelligent about it yet. So if I have a shot... I'm going to give it a shot there so they can at least get on the board with us. Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so I was ministering. I had a word of knowledge about hearts. That's a different operation. The angel could tell me things and does sometimes, but he's out here and, and the Holy Ghost is in here. He said, I want you to minister to people with heart trouble. About eight people came. First one was a man. I laid hands on his head. And when I did, an angel came around my right side of my body. Stuck his whole arm in that chest about up to there. And he started, what it looked like to my, from my eyes, and I'm not being trying to be funny, it looked like he was opening a safe. But I knew he was fixing that man's heart. When I took my hand off his head, he pulled his arm out. Next one was a woman, same thing. And all eight of them, same, when I laid hands on their head, this is an interesting comment too, I want to spend an hour talking to you about it. But when I took my hand off, the angel took his arm out. And I'd read some of that earlier in my earlier life, you know. I'm going to be 72 pretty soon. I'm not old, I'm just older. You know what an old person is? He's a young person with time on him. <laughs> you could learn something from some of us. But anyway, so when the service was over, this lady, the one that was the second in line, I just remembered that for some reason, she ran to me and said, did you see that angel put his arm in my chest? And I... I did one of these numbers on people sometimes when they do me that way. I want to know if they really saw that or they're making it up. I saw him. I said, didn't angel put his hand in your chest and do something? Yes. Well, what did he do? Well, he straightened out my symptoms. They all left when he took his arm out. I said, yeah, I saw him. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was fixing something. I had one lady in this church that got a new heart. I got the medical report. The guy was so convinced he put up the film, and he was a cardiologist, not just a regular doctor, although all doctors are important. He put up the film, said, Joyce, this is the heart you had a month ago. This is the heart you have now. If you look at them, they're not the same. What happened to you? <laughs> He's the heart doctor. And she said, well, I went to church. My man of God laid hands on me. And he confirmed that 
something happened and she got a new heart, not the same heart that was in her body without surgery. Hallelujah. So the angels don't only minister to me, and they'll minister to you too, but they minister with some of us that are called to minister healing. Now, I, let me say something real strong here to you because I haven't got an hour to explain it. Every human being that's born into this planet has a personal angel assigned to them. And if you're smart, you would get my book if you don't have it and read it about 30 times. And just make sure you're doing the basics. Because you've ha- you got all this help available to you and for nothing. What do I mean? It's not doing nothing. He's not doing nothing for you because you're not talking right. Or maybe not living right. So you ought to know all you need to know. But anyway, in my life, seems like God has added to me these different angels over a period of time. Some, and some only do one thing. Some of them do several things. How do you know that? Because I've talked to them and I've seen them and they've talked to me. And I have the fruit of it. The fruit of it. All right. Now, I want to read one more verse before I go to Psalm 103. I mean, I'm there right now, but i got this other... It's interesting, the Jubilee Bible of 2000 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth in service for the love of those who are the heirs of saving health? Now, why would he put that in the Bible like that? Because angels have something to do with health and healing. Are you listening to me? I can't guarantee an angel will touch you tonight, but I know they can. And I know they told me they want to minister with me. And whenever they tell me that, they're quite capable of doing what is needed. Amen. Okay. I don't always see everything either. But I've seen that happen many times. All right. Here we are in Psalm 103. Let me find some other notes here. Got, got more notes than I got time probably. Uh, if I can find that here a minute. <laughs> I thought I had that. Let's see here. No, that's a different one. Well, praise God. I may have done something with it. Nope. Okay, let's just read this. Psalm Psalm 103. I want you to watch what I'm going to show you again about angels and healing. And what did Weymouth said? The angels were what? A benefit. And says, bless the Lord, O my soul, verse 1, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And when, when I first got some revelation about how to pray over myself, I said, well, Lord, that says bless you and all that is within me. So I bless you with my heart, my liver, my lungs. And I started calling off things, my bones, my brain, my eyes, my ears, my hands, and whatever I could remember was in me. I'm not a medical person. And I said, every cell will bless you. Every organ will bless you and function correctly. Yeah. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then look what he follows that comment up. So we're talking about angels tonight and healing. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. They don't do that. Jesus does that. But he says the Lord heals all thy diseases. You see, he put healing and angels together in this. Are you listening to me? <laughs> they know. And heaven has parts. I've never been there yet to see him, but I, I, watched, I listened to Norval Hayes when he was alive. He told about going to heaven, and they had a huge warehouse. And there was livers and hearts and lungs and intestines and eyes and ears and teeth and mouths and all kinds of body parts. Knees and hips and spines. And, Amen. and they get from there to here through our faith. And sometimes the Lord, the angels, uh, the angels bring it to me. Sometimes they they bring it in a vision form, <laughs> and now it's not bloody. I want we're not watching weird shows that make me have weird dreams. <laughs> but I don't know. It's a few years back. I was taking a nap in the afternoon. Woke up. And there was five angels standing at the bottom of my bed. They all had a different part of a person's body, and because it was recognizable, I knew what it was. And if it's not, I'll say, "What's that?" If it's something I don't recognize. I've never seen a spleen. So I don't know how it's shaped or how big it is or anything else. But the other things they all had, I would recognize. Five of them. And I got up that night and gave four of those words of knowledge. The fifth one, I couldn't remember it. But I came back Sunday morning when I was pastor here. And I, 
All of a sudden, the Lord brought that fifth one back, and the person that needed it was there on Sunday, wasn't there on Wednesday. Amen. Kind of interesting, isn't it? That isn't always the case, but sometimes they do stand over to the side and they're holding some part of an anatomy. You get your head in the right way here. Yes, nothing's filthy or dirty and yes. nothing's dripping blood like a weird thing, but they're just to help me to see if you need that. Or sometimes I just know what to say or somebody tells me. Like Joyce, a lady named Joyce, went to this church for several years. So what do you need, Joyce? She said, and it was one of those Wednesday nights, it just seemed like you could pay, pray for anything and everybody would get it. Right. Just seemed like that to me. And she said, I need a new heart. And I said, let it be so, Father. And just tapped her on, put my hands on her head and then went out. I went on. She fell out and I went on. That was it. Wasn't a long drawn out thing. Probably took 10 seconds or less. But she got a new heart. Amen. So we see that angels and healing go together. Let's look at verse 20 here. It says, and before we get out of this chapter, bless the Lord, ye his angels. Now, don't let that throw you. you know. Now, remember, if you know your Bible and you've listened to me when I taught on covenant, some of you weren't here when I taught on covenant, and some of you I taught and you didn't get it. But covenant means whatever God has is mine, whatever I have is his. That's right. Remember I said about 15 minutes ago, if you want God's best, you're going to have to give him your best. I want you to give that car away. Well, that's my newest car. I want you to give that car away. I've given several of them away already in my life. And one of them was kind of expensive. I think it was about 30 grand at the time. That's back in the 90s. That was a lot of money. And somebody had blessed me with that. I had it a couple years and God told me to give it to somebody. She's here tonight. Anyway, praise the Lord. I just thought of that. You can't, you can't not do what he says when he tells you to do it. And what did he do? He provided another car for me. Eventually, you know. Bless the Lord, ye his angels. They are his angels by way of creation. He's the creator. I am not. I'm the recipient of what he's created, including the angels which are a part of our inheritance. I didn't work for them. I didn't earn them. I'm going to say it so you can see it. I've not been an exceptionally good boy, so he's rewarded me. He don't do stupid stuff like that. Of course, he don't do it for being a bad boy either. But somehow, some of us in the ministry, and I, like I said, I didn't ask for this. I'm just being honest with you. If you just live your life for God and do your best, God will get things to you that you would need that other people will never get because they have no heart for God to begin with. And no heart for other people. The angels very seldom... Listen to me. They've not ministered to me a lot. They've ministered to me in other ways, not so much healing, because that's for you. That's for the body of Christ. Yeah. You say, well, if you got them and they're healing angels, and many of them are, there's other angels too. All kinds of mm, capacities they walk in, all kinds of different job descriptions. Hallelujah. Why don't you go down to the hospital and clean it out? Because everybody there don't want to know that. They don't let me on a loudspeaker and give me three, three or four days to preach it to all the, all the students. I started to say all the people in there that are sick, that are in need of healing. Taking my wife to the doctor, even just recently, I've had to park on the roof three times. I started noticing that 15, 20 years ago. I said, oh my gosh. And you see, along with the move of God that's coming, there's all this other stuff. I'm saying it to you kind of bluntly. You choose. Decide. Just make up your mind which side you want to be on. Amen. <laughs> all right. Praise the Lord. So he says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel, the Hebrew word, are mighty in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening unto the voice of his word. They hearken under the voice of his word. They don't hearken under the word. The word in itself is on a page in ink. But they hearken when you take the word out of these pages and put it in your mouth and start rehearsing it before God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My sufficiency comes from you, Father. By your stripes I am healed. No weapon. I like that, Amzie. You put that in there or somebody did no weapon formed against me you know, shall prosper. Anyway, 
they hearken, or they don't hearken, they hearken, but the word hearken doesn't mean just hear, it mean, in the Hebrew it means hear and do. They hearken unto the voice of His Word. When you put the Word in your mouth and start talking like that, consistently, regularly, daily, every day, yeah, every day. It would help you to get hold of that every day. To have a sound mind, you won't have one if you don't do this every day and say that you have the mind of Christ. And Father, I'm renewing my mind today. And I let that mind be in me that was in Christ Jesus. You can't see Christ Jesus sweating and worrying about whether he's going to eat tomorrow. Can you? I think not. Or if he's going to be able to take care of his bills. But you have to do something with your own mind because it'll be carnal if you don't renew it to the word. And then you have to practice, practice, practice. How many are listening to me? I'm really talking about healing here. <laughs> All right. So anyway, we see this is important that this is how I'm going to give you this clue right now because I've got to move on into what I'm going to teach you. That your words, your words for you, my words for me, activate or restrain the angels from working at all. You can release them or you can confine them. When you say nothing ever works out for me, well, you've, you've established yourself. And if you've been saying it over three years, and if you've been saying it all your life, well, shame on you. Not with a redemption that includes your deliverance from all that negativity. It, I didn't say you're going to see it immediately, but you will see it if you stay with it. Yeah, your tongue is the pen. Hallelujah. My tongue is the pen. Your tongue is the pen for you. And you write it on the canvas of your heart when you say it. Yeah. You need to be, get those verses that minister to you and start saying those things. And quit talking about what you don't have and what you haven't done. And talk to God about what he is to you and how he wants to help you. And you receive of his anointing every day. It may not be an anointing to five-fold level, but that doesn't mean you're any less important to God than, than I am or any other preacher. I want you to understand that we're all important to God. God wants all of us. I have two children. I want them both to excel. If you have children, you want them to excel unless you've got a real mental problem. You never want to see your children struggle or be destitute and things like that. So we went back here to show you that healing and angels go together. I don't know whether, whether I'm doing a good job or not, but I'm trying to help you. So let's, let's go back over here to Hebrews again. We were just over there a minute ago. Go back to Hebrews with me. And um, we want to read on down through uh, chapter 2 a little bit here. Because when the Bible was written, the books of the Bible, especially the New Covenant, I know a little more about it than the Old although I had to study it all in seminary. But I'm a New Testament believer, so most of my time is spent over in the New Covenant. We just went back to Psalms. I know that's in the Old Covenant. So, but I go back and forth, but this is the majority of things. And so the chapter 2, the word chapter and 2 was not in this letter. It was just a straight letter from Hebrews 1 to Hebrews 13, the last verse in that chapter, 13 chapters in Hebrews. It says, verse 1 of chapter 2, Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. And what are we talking about tonight? Healing and angels. Least at any time we should let them slip. You know, you could hear me preach on something, or I've been to churches, I did this on purpose, kind of a rascal about me that I did this, but I'll tell you what happened. I'm not going to fill in who it was. I went to a church first time, and I preached on angels. I had three, three services. One, two, three, maybe four services. And so I went back next year, taught something different, went back next year, taught something different. Even the third or fourth year, the Lord said, go back and don't tell them you've taught this before. Just get up and say, I'm going to talk about angels tonight, today and teach the same thing you taught four years ago and watch what happens. Now, when I was there the first time, nobody said, hey, that was great. I didn't know that. Nobody said that. Nobody. Now, I don't need the cheers to motivate me, but I paid attention. I'm a good student. I'm a good student from the Father, and I'm a good student of humans. How they behave and misbehave, and how they think and don't think. Paid attention. <laughs> Not to be critical, but pay attention. If you're smart, you ought to pay attention. 
I quit paying attention to people who don't know nothing, started paying attention to people that know something scripturally, biblically, spiritually. And that's where I'm at today because of that. <laughs> I don't spend all my time trying to argue with somebody who don't want to learn nothing anyway. But anyway, went back fourth time. I mean, the first shot out of the box, people were like, oh, I never heard anything like that in my life. I just smiled and said, well, I'm glad you got something. I never told the pastor about it. I didn't tell anybody in the church about it. I'm just telling you. So here's me teaching the same messages, using the same illustrations, using the same scriptures. Because I'm just kind of repetitive. If it works, why change it? I've been studying on angels for since 1980. That's 41 years. Why change it if it's working? Now, I do change it in the sense I get further revelation, like I'm going to share with you tonight some. But it says, if we're not careful, we let those things slip away from us. And then, that's what I was pointing out to you. And these people are word people. They're not got some ignorant pastor that doesn't know anything. He's a very knowledgeable person. He's a good personal friend of mine. Anyway, it says, For if the word, I mean Hebrews 2 and 2, If the word spoken by angels was steadfast in every transgression, and disobedience received a just recompense or reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Now listen to this, verse 3, this little warning here. How are we going to escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That word salvation means to be delivered from temporary evils. It's talking about things we walk through in this planet. It's not talking about going to heaven or hell right there. I'm talking to you. And you're not going to escape everything if you don't pay attention to this. <laughs> I mean, if we could just transport all of us up to heaven and say, we want 20 people that died early to come testify. <laughs> now, yeah, I was always saying I wasn't going to live past 25 when did you die? I was 24 and 8 months. And you, you know, it's just, you, you're going to have what you say. But the angels are a part of what belongs to you, your personal angel. And he is, is what am I trying to say? He is um, filled with ways to protect you. He's filled with ways to guide and help you in your life in the earth. And it tells us if we neglect this, we're not going to escape. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to help you. I was going to teach on long life, which I really wanted to. But then when the angel said, we want you to talk about us, we're going to help you. I said, oh, praise God. Shifted into fifth gear, man. Here we go. You know. Yeah. So, but we want you to know those angels are capable of doing a lot of things humans can't do. I pray for a lady over here by Evansville. I forget the city it was in. A young lady had bad problem with her spine, scoliosis. I prayed for her, walked away 10 feet. Lord said, turn around and look. And I did. And when she's laying flat on the floor, she's out. She's not talking or looking. This angel reached his hand straight through her abdomen, grabbed her tailbone, and went like that. Jerked it. It went straight. She told me the next night, she was married and went home. Said, I had my husband check my back when I got home. He's as straight as a poker. And it wasn't that way before, and I was hurting, and this, it, all the pain left me. Amen. Now, you know a human can't put his arm inside another human's body and do that. The angel did that. He works with me to help people with spine problems. <laughs> yeah, hallelujah. So, we're not going to escape if we neglect so great a salvation. Verse 4, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and different kinds of miracles... And gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. So this is telling us here, at least in part, signs and wonders and miracles and the ministry of the Holy Ghost in all the nine gifts of the Spirit to help other people. Normally, very seldom do I have a word of knowledge to help myself. I could get one maybe, but I don't remember that much in my life. How many are listening to me? So we're seeing again healing. What's this chapter about? We're reading it to you, but we, it went into chapter 2, but that wasn't, he didn't stop with chapter 1 talking about angels because the next verse he says, for the angels hath he not put in subjection. He's still talking about angels. Angels and gifts of the Spirit. And there are the gifts of the Spirit, but sometimes angels will help you. Are you listening? 
or when it comes to signs and wonders and different kinds of, I remember one time I went to a hospital, I went to a hospital a lot of times to see people that were sick, and I, her name was Tawana. She used to go to this church, sounded like an Indian lady, but she's white. And when I walked in, this big angel came in behind me, and she looked up and said, Pastor Jacobs, what is that light around you? I said, it must be an angel. And she, I stopped at the nurse's station before I went back to see her, and they said, she's about gone, Pastor Jacobs. Go ahead and pray for her, but we don't give her much chance to live. And all of a sudden, after I laid hands on her and prayed for her, and the angel was there ministering to her too. I didn't see all that he did. Uh, all of a sudden, all the machinery started making noise and stuff, and the nurse ran in and said, well, she's, she's starting to recover. Right. I don't know what you did to her. I said, I just prayed for her. And she was released in about a day or two. But I didn't do it just by myself. I just prayed and went in there, you know, and I didn't see that angel until after she said something, and then I realized what was going on there. I was kind of slow on the uptake, but not anymore. I'm a little better. Anybody listening? All right, let's go back to Psalm 91 a minute. You getting anything yet? Praise God talking to you about angels and healing that's significant I mean well Pastor Luke was with me we went to uh, I'm in Psalm 91 is that where I ask you to turn yeah go, go over there and just park a minute I was with Pastor Luke over here Pastor Luke and John in a meeting in Chesapeake Virginia that's been what 10, 12, 15 years about 12 and there was a speaker there his name was uh, huh? Jerry McGee right name and he said to me when I first met him, I said, I'm Dr. Jacobs. He said, well, I'm Jerry McGee. You know, Dr. Jacobs, I got problems with my spine. That's the first thing out of his mouth when I first met him. I said, well, I'm preaching tonight, and I have an anointing for bones. It won't be a word of knowledge. I'm not going to pretend it is because you just told me. But if you have problems with your spine, I'll pray for you, and God will fix you. Would that be all right? Yeah, it would be great. So uh, I ended up going after we were eating lunch that day, and Went to our rooms, came back for the evening services in a Marriott hotel. He sat about halfway back. If he had his Bible, I didn't see it. And he looked like he was really irritated. Just to be point blank with you. He, just looked, he looked like he was saying, I wish you'd just shut up, Michael. I don't let people annoy me anymore. I just go on with it. They may be the exact ones going to get it all. You can't ever tell by somebody's face. Sometimes those that scream the loudest, amen, don't believe nothing. Anyway, just been around a few blocks. Been around this deal 50-some years. Anyway, so I, I preached on angels. I said, Jerry, step out here. He stepped out in the middle of this aisle, and I, I walked back to him about 10 or 15 feet, laid hands on his head and said, that's for your spine. Step back like that. And this angel came around this side. Now, he wasn't doing hearts that night. He stuck his finger down here in his abdomen, and he started rolling something. I said, Jerry... There's an angel rolling something down here. And he turned around and ran out the back of the service. I thought, man, I have really ticked this guy off. He's had all he's going to have for me. He just ran out of the church. He did that. And right outside the back doors to the left was the men's room. I didn't pay attention to him. I went on calling things out, ministering to people, didn't I? Pastor Luke and John was there. And about five minutes later, he walks back in. He's in the back of the building, back of the sanctuary. They were made a sanctuary out of it. And he was going... I said, Jerry, what happened to you? He said, I guess you thought I looked pretty angry tonight. Yeah, I sure did. But why don't you tell us what happened? Well, when you said that, you didn't know this. I've had a kidney stone for three days. haven't been able to use the bathroom. I was in excruciating pain. You know, they say that kidney stones are as bad as having a baby. I'm not trying to pretend that men know what it's like to have a baby. I just have heard that before, that kidney stones are really hard on you. But he said, I went in that bathroom. You said that angel was rolling something. I went to the bathroom, it came out, and there's no pain now. Now, when's the last time you heard telling about angels rolling out kidney stones? Come on now. He sure enough did. And his back got healed too, as far as I know. But anyway, we're just talking about some things. And praise God, the people that have received ministry, I know they're very grateful, and I am too. And sometimes almost as surprised as they are when I started. Now I understand a little bit different operation, a little bit further in the depth of it. 
But still yet, it's always a marvel and a wonder to see that happen. <laughs> you know, I was at Pastor Keith's church. He's in Nashville. And during the day I was praying in the hotel, I had a vision. I saw a car accident. I, I knew it was a human. I didn't know if it was male or female. I didn't see it that clearly. But this person got tossed around in the car. And a lot of times I'll operate in word of knowledge, which might be a word of knowledge. That's just one word. I don't know who they're married to. Don't know if they have children. Don't know where they live. Don't know what kind of cigarettes they smoke. You know, stupid stuff. You don't get stuff like that if you're a real man of God. Normally. But this lady had five things. I didn't know if it was a lady or a man. I just said, well, God's brought this back to my attention tonight, so I'm going to give it one, two, three, four, five. These five things happened to you. You were in an automobile accident. I don't know how long ago, but you were injured in five different ways. Who is that? The lady over here kind of, she, she was stuttering. She, I shocked her so much. She went, well, well, well. Then she got her composure. This is my first time in this church. I've never been in this church in my life. I said, well, is what I said to you about the car accident accurate? Totally. I said, well, now I don't know if she's a heathen, an Episcopalian, or a Lutheran. <laughs> so I said, if you'll come up, I'll lay my hands on you, on your head. Right. I want her to know that. Uh, you know, not frisking her. Because, like, you know, people got weird ideas. And uh, God will, power will come on you and heal you. And I said, would you be okay with that? And she said, yeah, and she came on up. So I'm over here by the podium. I said, now I went over it again with her so she wouldn't be startled. And I said, the power of God will come out of my hands, go into your body and fix it. I started going, Lord said, hold up. Well, you want to be a faith man? Here you go. So I held up and he said, one of the angels works with you in the healing ministry is going to handle this personally. Tell her I said that and back up. I said, well, lady, there's nothing wrong with you. But the Lord says, you know, I have healing angels. I don't know if you understand that. But one of them that works in the ministry with is going to handle this personally. Why don't you lift your hands? She's standing over here about six feet from me. I like to say this. She was not a Chinese gymnast. I don't think she'd ever been to a gym, ever. She was not slight build. Let me just say that. I'm trying to be as... And she put, I said, lift your hands up. And she went back and back until her head was down by her rear end. I mean, you can't imagine. I was shocked myself I thought her spine would go pop because her spine was to the back like that and she's like inverted you know it's one thing go that way another thing go back and he brought her up ever so slowly and he twisted her one side and then back the other way I'm not going to do it because I don't have to go to chiropractor and then he she put her hands up or he put them up I don't know she still had them up and he lifted her up on the toes of her feet like that and then just real gently set her down and she was healed of all five things. How many were in that meeting? Look at this. Look at these hands right here. There's some in the back there and some there. And yeah. I mean, I was just as shocked as anybody else, but he did that. Hallelujah. Psalm 91. Here we go. I, I found a verse. It's just so tremendous. Let's, let's start Psalm 91, though, verse 1 here. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Now the secret place is just saying this. This is the way I would read it. You stay close to God. No matter what you know or don't know about Him yet, there's stuff I don't know about Him yet. I just stay close to Him and keep tight with Him. You know, keep tight with Him. Like if I miss it, I don't wander around out in anything. I'd run back to Him and say, Father, I'm sorry. But I realize I need to spend personal time with the Lord. And I do better by myself than with other people typically. When I have my personal prayer life, I can pray with other people. I'm intelligent. I can pray with a group of people. But, but I'm talking about my personal prayer life. You need to have a personal prayer life. Yes. Let me help you. Yes. You, need to have, you need to know God well enough to talk to him about anything that you need to talk to him about. And if you don't know much, then just keep reading and we'll help you. But Psalm 91 is a tremendous psalm to learn. And he says, I will say of the Lord, the person who's staying in the secret place of the Most High, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. And I think just about every day I use that scripture, verse 2. I'm saying, Lord, you're my refuge, you're my fortress, you're my God, and in you will I trust. He's my refuge. It's where I run to for safety. It's where I try to stay there all the time for safety. Then he says, surely he'll deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. All these have different meanings to them. But he's keeping you out of the way of the enemy. 
And he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. I want to stop with that. You know, most people that are dealing with uh, symptoms in their body or they're tormented by an evil spirit, and tonight you can get delivered too if you need it. Your mind is, you know, off center. And the devil will keep working on you until you get aggressive with him. You have to realize you have to be aggressive with the devil. It's not that you have to scream at the top of your lungs, but you've got to mean it. I mean, you've got to mean it like somebody else knows you mean it. I'm telling you. <laughs> I would tell you my story about being in the Navy, but many of you have heard it over and over. But what I wanted to say is when it gets nighttime and dark... People tried to be afraid, but I found this other translation. It's called the EEBT translation. Never heard of it before in my life until three or four days ago. It says, be not afraid of bad spirits at night. You ought to learn that. I'm not afraid of bad spirits at night. In fact, I take authority over the spirits at night and command you get out of here. Any spirit that be of the devil, get out. I plead the blood of Jesus against you. Get out. And you need to practice get out until you really mean it. You can't say, I'd really like you to leave my family alone. I'm so tired of fooling with them. That's just going to encourage him to invite his cousins to come back next night. I guarantee it. I know what I'm talking about. Do not be afraid of bad spirits at night. Or the arrow that flies in the day. Or illness that comes when it is dark. Yeah, I've had some some experiences that uh, made me kind of go, what in the world? I was in Germany one time and went to bed and I had my window shut and I woke up, the window was open and there was a spirit in my room and I was having some kind of a terrible nightmare. And I, I, began, I knew it was the devil immediately when I was conscious <laughs> and I said, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. I bind you. And I jumped out of bed because I knew I wasn't going to get it laying there. I'm half asleep, but this something's on me. And I just I ran around that room, not running around like I'm trying to exercise, running around and said, you can get your stuff and get out of here. And I looked, there was the window, the curtain blowing outside. I thought, well, I shut that window when I went to bed. I wasn't like Dr. Summerall. You know, the devil threw his bed across the room, and he got up and said, put it back. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. And that's the way you got to be with them. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but I'm telling you, I, man, I mean, you know, I knew something was wrong from having a nightmare that I couldn't seem to wake up from. But it took me about three or four minutes to get totally cognizant of what was going on and made him leave. And I went back to sleep and slept the rest of the night. I said, don't be afraid of bad spirits at night. You probably won't have that experience. I'm not sure. I wasn't watching anything on TV I shouldn't have, just in case you're wondering. I'd by myself in that room. Nobody was in there but me, human. I'm just telling you. But that happened, and I knew I had a. And I knew that that encouraged me more when it all left because I knew I got authority over whoever that was in the kingdom of darkness. I don't think it was the devil himself. He, I don't. I don't know. He's that afraid of me yet, but he's going to be if he's not. Yeah. Hallelujah. You listening to me? All right. Now, let's go up here to verse. Now, it's been talking about staying in the secret place and a thousand will fall at one side and ten thousand at your right hand, verse seven. And then go down here to verse 10. There shall no evil befall thee. Now, notice that there shall no evil befall thee. And of course, in the Bible, I think it's Deuteronomy 7 15 that says, uh, None of the evil diseases of Egypt. So disease is evil. The person who has it's not evil, but the disease itself is evil. You need to think about it like that. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. Now, in one sense, this is the dwelling of Michael, my body. It's my physical dwelling. I dwell in it. You know, really, when you, if you could see me, if I could jump out of my body, it'd be like taking this coat off. You'd still know it was me. But I didn't have my coat on now because I shed that. So, hallelujah. 
Hang on just a minute here. I'm going to read you something. This is a different translation too. It says, no harm will befall you. No disease will touch your tent. Now this is a tent. Then your home you live in, wherever you live and your family lives and you, you know, have a bathroom, a living room, a bedroom. That's your tent. And then this is a tent, the church, the local church. So we say uh, no harm will befall us and no disease will touch our tent. And he says at the end of this, I'm in Psalm, Psalm 91, 10 and 11. I think it goes all the way through to 16. It says, I will let him live to a ripe old age, verse 16, and show him my salvation. Here's another translation of verse 16. I will satisfy him and show him my saving health. That's being old. Does anybody, do you have back there, you guys in the booth, do you, can you put up the Amplified Bible of Proverbs 3, verses 1, 2, and 3? It's not in my notes, but I'd like to talk about it a minute. In the Amplified Bible when they find it here a minute. You don't mind me jumping around, do you, little? <laughs> I'm telling you. Now to get some scriptures like that. You know what, it's like if you have normal medicine, you had a problem, you had a... Something they said, take this for 10 days, three times a day. Normally, normal people, if you're smart, you don't even have to be real smart. Just take it three times a day, not five times, not one time. And take it for 10 days, not four days, not seven days, for 10 days. But just like you do what the doctor says, you ought to have a list of scriptures. Some of these I'm sharing with Psalm 91, there is so much revelation in that. I'm just hitting some highlights. I think it was, what did I say, Proverbs 3? One through three, maybe. Uh, let's see. No, keep going. Uh, keep going. Uh, that's not the right one. Is there another Amplified Bible? Uh, the classic? I don't know. I don't have my Amplified. I got one at home, but I don't know which one it is. That's not what I was thinking. You got the classic right there. Let's see if yours says what I think it's supposed to say. Oh, that's it, baby. (laughs) All right. Verse 2. For length of days and years of a life worth living and tranquility. Listen to this. Don't go to sleep on it, but listen to me. And tranquility inward and outward and continuing through old age till death. These shall they add to thee. You can have tranquility internally and externally. Hey, you got it. Maybe I didn't see it the first time. Look at that. For length of days and years of a life worth living and tranquility inwardly. That's what you think about and stuff and how you think. And outward and continuing through old age till death. You know what death is? It's departure. Quit thinking about death that you cease to exist. You're just starting to live, baby. I mean, even the best of us that know God, you know, fairly well, and that whoever you feel like does know God. But I mean, that's, I mean, talk about another zone, another room to get in. That's Mm -hmm. the big kahuna. (laughs) But you ought to be walking in enough of it with scriptures like these. Length of days and years of a life worth living. And you know, if you haven't lived like that and you've done some things you're ashamed of, afraid of, uh, feel bad about, stop it. And tell God you're sorry. That's all. I, I'm just, just tell God, Father, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have read that. I shouldn't have watched that. I shouldn't have been with that person. I shouldn't have been so rebellious. And just stop and start over. That's what the blood's for. It's not just so we can have a Christian bookstore with a card with something dripping off of it practically, you know, about the blood. No, I'm serious. We need to know what the blood will really do for us. I got a new book just ready to be published any day now. How far does the blood go? And I wrote that other small one, you know, about, uh, I forget what I called it. Power of the blood maybe, Sean? Yeah. And we put that prophecy in it, I think, that we gave in this church. I think so. About make much of the blood, and the blood will make much about you. I'm going to have to quit a little bit early tonight, but it's okay. 
Let me see if I had anything else here. He talks about saving health. That is just so outstanding. Now, let's see here where I want to go. I wanted to talk to you a little bit in closing here about angels and church. Let me read verse 10 and 11 and first Psalm 91 again. There shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall Now that's who, who's living in the secret place of the Most High. You know you can't have a good marriage if you argue all the time. The devil's going to make a nest in your home. And you're going to be tormented all the days of your life if you're going to argue with your mate. Can't have a good church if people are fussing. I'm not pastor here anymore, but I can handle you if I need to. And if I find out you're, you're making a brew with everybody, I'll ask you to leave. And if you won't, I'll put a restraining order. And don't tell me I haven't done that. Oh, yeah, I had a, I had a couple that were going through uh, divorce proceedings. They came to our church screaming at each other back by the children's ministry. And uh, the third time I found out about it, I caught him, went right out the front door here, and I said, listen, you are not welcome in my church. You're scaring my people. And either I can take you out right now if you want to go for it. <laughs> and I'm not fooling with you, buddy. You, want to, you, want, you and your wife want to fight, go up to Frisch's and roll around the pavement, beat the tar out of each other. I could care less. But you're not coming in my church, in my district, and make people scared because you're crazy. If you think I'm kidding, I got some big old ushers could handle you. And if you push it further, I got a restraining order. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, somebody ought to thank me. I met with another guy one time. Ah, oh, you know, I'm just talking. But this man came, he had, and his wife came to see me, and she had really not so nice things to say about him. And so I said, does he know here, he's, you're here to see me? She said, no, then don't tell him. I'll call him. I'm going to bring him in and see if he'll listen to me. So I brought him in and I reminded him, I said, I didn't provoke this. Your wife provoked it. She came and talked to me about your behavior as a husband. I can't believe you're a Christian at all. He said, you can go to hell. I said, you're going to go to hell if you don't stop this nonsense. And furthermore, he got up and stopped off. I said, don't come back. I don't trust a predator like you around my sheep. You come back here. I know how to handle you. got so much. I'm going to put the word out on you. They know what you look like. Well, you need to get rid of predators. All right. I'll simmer down. <laughs> okay. All right. See, we're talking about angels and healing. Let me, let me show you something back here a minute. It may be startling if you hadn't seen it. G uh, Genesis 28. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Genesis 28. Let's go back here just a minute. It's a story of Jacob's ladder. And... Uh, let me get back here to Genesis 28. I thought I was further back than that, but not. In verse 12 here, it says, And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. I've taught you this before, but I read that, but I wasn't thinking right. I was thinking God threw a ladder out of heaven and came to the earth. And, uh, you know, angels came down and went up. But that's exactly opposite of what that says. And, you know, if you're not careful, you can do that in your mind. Because you're thinking a certain way. And, and the Lord was kind of, you know, tough on me that day. He said, read it again, Michael. You still don't get it. And he said, read it out loud. Okay. I read second time. Nope. Read it again. Third time. Nope. Fourth time. Nope. Fifth time. Nope. Sixth time. Nope. Seventh time I finally got it. I'm talking about me. <laughs> you know, trying to figure that out. He said, you had it totally turned around. And so the angels were in the earth. They could go up, but they came back down because they didn't live up there. They live on the earth. Now, this is what I want to show you down through here. Jacob wakes up, verse 17. He said, verse 16, he waked out of his sleep. Surely the Lord's in this place, and I knew it not, and it was afraid. And he said, how dreadful, bad translation, how awesome is this place. This is another but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Now, what I'm bringing this to your attention is angels were involved at the church. What's the house of God? The church. You know, New Testament explains the Old Testament. 1 Timothy 3.15, the church is the house of God. 
So here we got angels in the church. Let's go to, uh, uh, let's see, Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I just wanted to give you a couple verses here to show you that angels are involved with us at church. They're here tonight. <laughs> angels go to church, those that belong to us. I'm not talking about somebody that goes down the road there to some other church. They wouldn't need to be up here probably. Because they're tending to their people they got to tend to, if they're busy at all. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 1. Keep thy foot when you go to the house of God, or we would say the church, the New Testament, and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. If you talk foolish, that's not good. Be not rash with your mouth, verse 2. And let not your heart be hasty to uh, utter anything before God, for God's in heaven and you're upon the earth, therefore let thy words be few. Now he's again telling us here the importance of our words, like Jordan taught us so well this morning on faith and words. It was excellent. Then verse 6 says, Suffer not your mouth to cause your flesh to sin, neither say thou before the angel. Now where are they at? I just read it to you in verse 1. The church. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Wherefore should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of your hands? Now that's, unfortunately in the Old Testament their revelation was limited and they thought that God tore up everything too. But that's not true about God. How many know that? Because John 10.10 hadn't been written. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. But the thief, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So, but what I'm showing you is the church and angels. They're, see, they get excited when I talk about them. They long to be involved with humanity. They were here before Adam was ever created. You know, Job 38 will tell you that if you want to read it later, 4 through 7. The angels were created before Adam was here. So it wasn't like an afterthought, oh yeah, I need to get this guy some helpers. No, they were already here, assigned by God to help Adam in his ruling of the planet. And whatever area you're ruling, they're here to help you. Yeah. All right. So let's, let's go over here, at least one more verse here, maybe two, to Acts 7. Are you still with me? Yes, Acts 7. I know it turned out being a little different than I thought, but I still like it. It's still talking about angels and healing. And I went back and studied this out thoroughly about when they came out of Egypt. Uh, it says that the host of God came out with them. I'm talking about men. He doesn't use host to represent men ever in the Bible that I'm aware of. Host means angelic beings. So Israelites came out of Egypt but they didn't come out by themselves. The host of God came out with them. You know, but now remember we said angels are not, they're not unreal, they're just unseen. We know that one angel is with them and he was being their protection on one side for Israelites and being against the Egyptian armies for a period until they all got across. See, they, what I'm trying to show you is angels always want to be involved in your life to protect you, to help you. And like tonight, particularly, I'm talking about healing. And uh, I wanted to show you this about Moses because he was a type of Christ somewhat because he was a prophet. And let's find my reference here, chapter 7 and uh, verse uh, 35 through 38. This Moses whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel, which appeared to him in the bush, appeared to Moses. He brought them out after he had showed wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness forty years. This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you and your brethren like unto me. Him shall you hear. This he... This is he that was in the church in the wilderness, watch this, with the angel which spake to him. Now, I'm not going to take the time to take you to Revelation. If you know Revelation, uh, chapter 2 and 3, the seven churches are listed there. And with every church it says, under the angel of the church of so-and-so. 
And I heard a well-known preacher, if I told his name, everybody would know who I'm talking about. I'm not going to do that to him. He got up and taught it in a meeting I was in, that the angel was the pastor's. But, you know, all you'd have to do is look up in a concordance. You don't even have to have taken Greek like I did. And it would show you the word for pastor's poimen, the word for angel is angelos in the Greek. Two different words. And what I'm saying is every church listed in the book of Revelation, seven of them, they all had an angel assigned to them. All you pastors. I know Pastor Luke believes this for sure. I mean, he, he knew he had one before, but he was in a meeting with me in Olathe, and I ministered to him by the Holy Ghost. God's putting an angel in your life to help you build that building. And he went back and called me later and said, man, this, you don't praise God, this is coming up. And I think the materials for it about doubled or tripled, supposedly. But see, God's helping him with this angels that work with him. He said, Dad, I ain't never seen anything like it. And I said, well, praise God. He must be a superintendent angel or something, you know, a white hat. <laughs> no, you think I'm teasing? I'm not. These angels want to work with us, and they're working with the churches. Now, I think the pastors, in all fairness to them, you just need to pray and ask God in what way that angel is involved with you, and does the Lord need to talk to you about that? I'm talking to the preachers tonight, the pastors who are here. Does the Lord need to talk to you about that for some reason? Ask him. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.